When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Flushing Girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. I, uh, meet Miss Fine. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, the podcast about the nanny, the 90s sitcom starring Fran Drescher. If you don't know by now what podcast you're listening to, I, I can't really help you. Uh, I am Sean Pasquale here, as always, with Toria Sheffield. Hi, Toria. Hi. Hello. Um, and we're not alone. For the first time uh, in a couple of weeks, we're not alone. This is a very special episode because we have a guest on who you might know as Robbie Shapiro from Victorious, or maybe you know him from Will Ferrell's Virginity Hit. No, or, <laughs> probably not. Or maybe you know him as Steve in that one episode of Grey's Anatomy. Oh my God. <gasps> somebody, somebody has IMDb. <laughs> or maybe you, you've seen him uh, uh, online uh, streaming Fortnite on Twitch with me. Please give an old Mr. Sheffield a welcome to actor, musician, tiny dancer, my friend, Matt Bennett. Hi, Matt Bennett. Hey, crew. Hey, Sean. Hi, hey, Toria. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Um, also, did, did Sean, did you know that yes, Renee Taylor, like Matt has been on a show with Renee Taylor, but also Charles Shaughnessy? No. Yes. Right? I, I feel very qualified to be on this podcast because Renee Taylor played Robbie Shapiro, my character on Victorious, Robbie Shapiro's grandmother <laughs> named Mima. And then Charles Shaughnessy, I realized as I was watching this episode, I was like, oh, wait, we worked with Charles Shaughnessy as well. Um, full disclosure, I had, I still had never watched The Nanny until I watched this one episode. This is the one episode that I'd ever watched. <laughs> so at the time... The moms on set were like, oh, my God, it's Mr. Sheffield. It's Mr. Sheffield. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Hey, what's up, British guy? You know, so, I, I, I had no feelings towards him. Yes, he was on Victorious. Who did he play? Do you remember? So I, I only had one scene with him, but he played his name was Mason Thornsmith. And he was uh, the record executive who discovers Victoria. They have a couple of see, like a couple arcs where uh, he makes it's called Tori Goes Platinum. That he makes her a star. And uh, he, I guess, what is, what is the exact circumstance? He's like scouting around for talent and tries to make Victoria's character um, into, into like something she's not. Like, uh, he's like, you have to go flip over tables and be a nuisance. Sure, yeah. I want to know Matt's me- memories or impressions of Renee Taylor and Charles Shaughnessy. But if they're bad, please don't tell me. If they're bad, just yeah. lie to me. <laughs> overwhelmingly positive um the most that i remember so granted th- these events took place 10 years ago so um all of the finer details are sort have sort of been lost to the sands of time but the one thing i can say about renee um she loved she's been she's a pro and she's been in the industry for years and she was a little name droppy um but in a cool way because she was sitting she like oh gene wilder one of my old friends and i'm like she knows gene wilder oh my god and would just tell me about um like i I wanted to look through her phone like and look at all of the numbers that she had she would tell me about things like that the only other thing that i really remember was she fell asleep 
on set. <laughs> like she just nodded off and uh, a couple of times and we had to just kind of let her be. Um, but it was cute because it's Renee Taylor. She looked, by the way, she looked great on the nanny. She looked, gr- I was watching. I'm like, Oh, get it, Renee. Hell yeah. 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 She was, um, she was in real, real good shape for her age on the nanny, especially was she still, um, was she still with the big hair and, and put together like that when she was on victorious or had she sort of modernized her look a little bit? No, she looked kind of the same. Awesome. Mom. Amazing. And what about Charles Shaughnessy? Did you, uh, the most I remember from Charles, once again, we only had one scene together. I'd see him at table reads and everything. The moms would like melt. They were so excited that Mr. Sheffield was there. That's amazing. Um, and we had one scene. So once again, he was in a couple of episodes and I had one part where, um, so my character was a ventriloquist and they introduced that Mason Thornsmith, his character had a son who wanted to buy my ventriloquist dummy. Who's care, you know, his <sighs> name was Rex. So wow. that was the scene that we had together. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was just cool, professional, kind of not, not that he kept to himself, just, you know, when, when we, one of the things that we had a problem with on the set of Victorious, we were all like 17, 18, 19. So we could not stop talking to each other. <laughs> and he was just kind of like nodding his head in the back. We like, okay. Sure. Well, yeah, you're surrounded by, by kids and you're an adult and you're like, all right, there's only so much that I have to participate in. <laughs> well, what, yeah. I, what I'm kind of interested, once again, only, for, you know, only episode of Nanny I've watched. Do you, was there like Sheffield fever in the nineties? Do yes. you guys, when you watch this, are you like, Oh my God, he's so attractive. Cause the moms I, were like, Oh my God, he's so attractive. You know, I've, uh, I have thought about that because between Sean and myself, I'm really the only one qualified, I think to be like, Hmm, like would I, would I want to get that? <laughs> um, and I've weirdly thought no, for some reason he's too, I don't know why. I don't know why he's a handsome man, but He's very, I don't know. He has a very fatherly vibe. He's not like, you know, a John Stamos um, of that era. When you go back and watch Full House, he still has it going on. Yeah. There's something dated about the Mr. Sheffield character's look when I was watching. I agree. I think that maybe this was a character that resonated more with moms of even the time of the show. I mean, the show came out in like 93 and I think ran for like, until 98 or my math's probably off six years. But Mm -hmm. I think that like my mom, I can remember my mom watching this show with me and my mom thinking Mr. Sheffield was, was hot, you know? So I think that like that tracks, especially if the moms on set, you know, for victorious were also into him. Like they, Mm -hmm. they would have also been, you know, similar to my mom's age. Not to mention he looked good on victorious. Like he, Mm -hmm. he stayed in shape, still thin, he kind of aged more into his features. Yeah. You know, mm. uh, what do they call him? Like a silver fox? Yeah. He sort of showed yeah, up I... and it was like, plus also he was playing a record executive. So they dressed him really cool. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay, I get this. Like when he was on Victoria's, I'm like, yeah, this guy is absolutely attractive. But then I was watching the show. I'm like, mm, it's he's kind of dorky. Yeah, totally. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the why. Because because there's definitely been shows that I watched when I was younger and then I rewatched them as adults. Like, I remember it was like a new stage of my life when I was like, oh my God, like Giles is attractive to me when I rewatched Buffy as an adult, which was oh. so weird because he was like the dad to me when I was watching it in real time. 
And then I was like, oh, I've, I've fully become a woman now that I can dream. You know, <laughs> <now. laughs> yeah, but that's just, it's not happening to me. Isn't with, that funny? Uh, Mr. Yeah, with Mr. Sheffield. Yeah, one not. of the things also, I've been doing on Twitch is um, we've been watching movies and uh, we did the parent trap. And when it came out, like the 1999 version, I was seven or eight and I had such a crush on Lindsay Lohan. And now I'm watching and I'm like, Meredith, <laughs> oh my God, uh, Elaine Hendricks. You know, <gasps> I'm like, oh boy. And she's 20, she plays, she plays a 26 year old and I'm pushing 30. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> if, if this were hit, if she, if I found her on Hinge, I would pay to DM oh, yeah. her. That's an option. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, no, it's, we're just, we're gonna have to cut this because I'm just babbling now. But um, no, I recently was like, <laughs> I felt like such an idiot. I was like, whoa, Robert Redford. <laughs> oh my God. Like, he was always old to me. And then I finally saw like the way we were. And I was like, hubba, hubba. Like, mm -hmm. has anyone else noticed this guy? <laughs> so it is just weird when you, when you finally start uh, being old enough to find these people attractive. So, okay, we've established uh, Bennett's bo bona fides. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, uh, as Matt mentioned, he's never seen an episode of The Nanny until now. So I, I think it'll be interesting. Well, when we first hopped on this, uh, to this record, Matt mentioned that uh, he had questions. So Matt, I think as Tori and I sort of walk through the episode and you have questions, if you still have questions, Mm -hmm. uh, feel free to interject and I mean, ask them. I took extensive notes. I watched the episode twice, so I made sure I knew <laughs> what was going on. Um, and the first thing I wrote is, who are these children? Neither one looks like Fran Drescher. I need more context. <laughs> uh, wait, and I'll just I'll quickly say for the for the audience, this is the episode where Grandma Yetta comes to stay with the Sheffields. Okay. It's everybody needs a bubba sometimes. Yeah. Um, so that's setting us off. And Yes. I, so a lot of it's like, who's this guy now? Like a, I think, a lot of what I, I wrote. I mispronounced that title because the title is supposed to be a play on everybody needs somebody sometimes. So, so everybody, everybody needs a Bubby sometimes. Yeah. Everybody. You're right. You're right. But it's spelled Bubba in the, in the actual... B-U-B-B-Y or B-U-B-B-I-E. Oh, I, just, I guess yeah, I just mistyped it. I just mistyped it. Okay, that's yeah. the issue. Oops. But yes, Fran Drescher is their nanny and Mr. Sheffield was widowed five years earlier. Mm -hmm. So the three children, Maggie, the eldest, Brighton, the middle of the boy, and then Gracie, the little girl, they are all Mr. Sheffield's. And Fran has been their nanny for about a year now and has brought a lot of much needed maternal warmth into this family's lives. And there's been a slow building, although it's not really touched on in this episode, um, but there's a slow building romance boiling between Mr. Sheffield and Fran. Ooh. Um, and I, I really ship it and stand. Yes. For, mm -hmm. for true. Same, as do we all. Um, and then Cece, who is the blonde lady, she works with Mr. Sheffield. He's a Broadway producer. There's uh, a lot of Broadway references in a lot of episodes. They make a lot of references to musicals. Angela Weber's a guest on this show multiple times it's, as himself. Yeah. Wow. Um, so Cece, it's sort of established early on that Cece is in some type of relationship with Mr. Sheffield or they've, or they've done it a couple oh. times. It's like kind of unclear, but she, she pines after him. Um, and, I, I, yeah, I would say that, um, it was ambiguous at the beginning of the first season, but now it's clear that I'm not even sure they've, I don't think they've consummated anything. I think she's just hmm. a, in love with him. I mean, or just wants him and 
he never ever looks like even notices her like that um so that's where i think we've landed sean gave me a little bit of context that you guys end with fran or Cece. yeah um CC is sometimes sympathetic because she played, she was hard villain in this never. episode. Almost never sympathetic. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I slightly disagree. Yeah, there was one episode about CC's like dad that made her a little sympathetic, but for the most part, this is the character she played. She's, she's tough. She's hard. She, you know, she just, she, ex- she exists to get Fran out of the picture. And she exists to be the butt of everyone else's jokes. Yeah, there, was a, yeah. there was a well, moment in this where uh, the butler, Giles? No, what's the guy? Niles. 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 Close. Yeah. Um, he says, like, uh, Aunt Yet or Gr- Grandma Yetta got some sweet loving. What did you do last <laughs> night? And she goes, I hate my life. Yeah. And I was like, I like yes. the reading of that. That was cool. Oh, yeah. Well, the one, there's a couple of things. One, we realized like very early in season one, we were like, oh, Cece is not there to generate a love triangle. Um, plot engine by any means like it's very clear that she's never going to end up with Mr. Sheffield he doesn't care about her at all like that's not even really part of it she's just like the worst and everyone can just make jokes about how she's the worst and like that yeah. kind of is why she's there um, it's someone then- for the other characters to dunk on and I think it's the writer's voice for their own cynicism well I was also going to say that um, one thing that I that makes me sad is she was never nominated for an Emmy for Stacey? her yeah. No, never. And but there's great. another Yeah, there's another side character on the show who wasn't in this episode who is. And I I don't know. I feel like I would have I would have liked this actress to get at least a little love for this. You know, villains usually person. don't get their due. Yep. Mm-hmm. Throughout, throughout cinema and television history, they never really get their due. There's a weird cameo in this episode that I wonder if either one of you caught. It's not it wouldn't have been a cameo at the time. The not Barry Watson. Yes. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, obviously. I have a whole thing about that later. Yes. Barry Watson pops up for two seconds and doesn't get a lot. Seventh Heaven's Barry Watson. Show. Well, we, Barry we've talked Watson. about this how weeks and weeks ago when we did Nanny Trivia, Maggie had two famous mm-hmm. boyfriends on the show, James Marsden, oh. Eddie, and Barry Watson. And, yep. and, and so this our, is where we- Barry Watson appearance. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, he just waves. Um, he's, well, he's, the guy, he's the guy that she's kissing? Yeah. By the way, I, in my notes, I wrote, I do not approve of this. Before, <gasps> oh before the conflict Us even happened, too. I was like, nuh-uh. We are going to, okay, we're going to get into boy? that too, because yeah. that is another thing that Sean and I discuss a lot. Like the the parenting choices specifically around Maggie's dating life. And we have found out through this podcast that we are both very overprotective people and pretty sex negative. Because <laughs> um, sex- I also was like, Ugh. I'm sex yeah. positive. I'm like, go for it. But. I don't know. There's something about they've been out there for so long, and he, something about like there was a line about like pawing at each other. I, yeah. I don't know. I was like, it's like mm-hmm. a lot. It's like it's disrespectful right in front of her house on like the. Well, wait. Let's we'll get there. We, we're, we're we're in the weeds about a lot of stuff with this episode already, which is exciting because means yeah, we all are we're, we're having we're having a good but, time. Um, but, um, so yeah, so Grandma Yetta is is uh, Grandma Yetta is is over with with Sylvia and Fran, and they're all t- having a good time. And Sylvia drops on Fran. Oh, Yetta has to stay here because her her apartment building is being fumigated. So she's her, retired. Her retirement home. Yeah. So she's not able to go back to her retirement home. So we, you know, Fran has to quickly convince Mr. Sheffield that that this is okay. <laughs> um, and then and then there's you know they're stuck with with 
grandma, uh, Yetta, who, you know, as we've established, I think in earlier episodes, she smokes, she's got a, quite a mouth on her, she's like, very <laughs> dirty and sexual. She's great. I love this character. Yeah. Yeah. So she was that's fun. the A plot. And then the B plot is that, you know, there's tension between Mr. Sheffield and Maggie in terms of her dating life. He thinks she, you know, she's staying out too late. He finds a copy of the movie Body Heat in her room, which mm-hmm. he thinks is very inappropriate. Um, and he doesn't like the fact that she's been seeing this new guy, Greg. Yeah. Um, and, and this is our first introduction to Greg. We've already cycled through Kenny. We've cycled through that philosopher guy. We've cycled through Eddie. So yet another boy in uh, Margaret's How life. old is Margaret supposed to be? 15. 15. Only uh, 15. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I found, if, if we're doing uh, plot summaries, I found the plot to be slightly muddled and slightly confused. Um, you know, the the whole um, Yetta saying we could die at any time, go for it, comes in <laughs> yes. at 1630. Yes. I, I, in a 23 minute episode, like that was that seemed to be the conflict. And it came in so late. Matt Bennett, this is a recurring issue with this show. There are episodes that really nail the structure. And then we've had episodes where like the main plot of the show doesn't get set up until the second to last scene. And then it's resolved in like the very next. Yeah. Scene. It happened really fast. And then the episode yeah. is over and I go, it's so confusing to me. Like, Literally, like I, I wish we could pull quotes from previous records because it's like you, you quoted us verbatim. Where it's like you were like, it was kind of weird because this came in at minute seventeen of yes. twenty-two episode. Like yep. um, the the most the like the most um, notorious um, time that this happened is when Fran walks in on Mister Sheffield naked at minute seventeen, and it gets yeah. resolved in five minutes. Okay. Oh, like shouldn't that have been like the, the central whole episode? That's a great. Ep- <laughs> that's a great idea for an episode. Like, yeah, stretch that. Yeah, I felt like there was things that they could have stretched longer. You know, um, more things that Yetta could have done. I mean, they did a good job of like she you brought Saul over. She burnt the bagels. The uh, one of my favorite things that she did. They're having a conversation and eight, this is a uh, minute eight 44. Uh, she comes in smoking a cigarette, dancing with a boom box. Yes. It's like bing, 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 bing. And she goes, can I sit outside of my brazier? Will anyone see? Like that was just a funny, like I wanted to see more moments like that. Yes. But then, you know, towards the end when it should have been culminating, like all, all of this, all this uh, tension, it, it just kind of fell flat. Yes. And, and so it's like, I, I also kind of took issue with, just this, the central conflict of the episode that bridges the A and the B plot, it felt very contrived in a sitcom way, which is oh, one yeah. of my least favorite things, where it's like basically the central conflict is um, y- Yetta goes and talks to Maggie. Like she's gone out and she stayed out too late on a date and Mr. Sheffield's really upset. So Yetta's kind of like, I'll talk to her, I'll talk to her. So they go upstairs and then the next morning everything seems resolved and it's sort of, you know, Maggie's like, oh, I'm sorry, I was out late. I'm sorry, I yelled at you, Dad. I had a great conversation with Yetta. And then he's he's very, you know, appeased by this. So he lets her go on another date that day. And then it is revealed that Grandma Yetta has been like having this older gentleman over to have sex with him. <laughs> 
And it's also revealed that, you know, apparently, you know, he, Mr. Sheffield, so he's so upset about this that he's like, well, what did you say to my daughter? And she says, well, I told her life is short, go for it. So then like the next many minutes of the episode are Mr. Sheffield being furious because he's convinced that this means that Maggie is going to be like off having sex on her date because she had this one conversation with grandma Yetta. I feel like this episode could have been a two-parter, just like, you know, stretching when it comes this the thing that happens at 17 minutes you know where she says you know we could die at any time go for it that's such a perfect little sting for a cliffhanger like come back yes. next week and see more yetta you know see more <laughs> saul see more of these characters because then you know after i finish watching this for the second time the next episode started and it's just a completely different storyline so was- my question to you guys is like obviously it's not it's not great structure but is it is it just that they have an overabundance of like great characters and ideas that like this show sometimes just seems to barrel through what could be multiple episodes or multiple plot lines um, and not let things breathe because they're really just trying to like churn them out. It, that's is a that the problem of, in general. Yeah. And I mean, but I guess that's a sign. I mean, the show is on for six years. So it's like, I, I think that's a sign of like good sitcom problems to have. Yeah. And it's like, you know, know. when there's 22 episodes a season, like you're not going to win them all. There's some like home run episodes and there's going to be some where you're like, okay, I had some laughs. (laughs) Yeah. And and I laughed. I certainly did. I did did laugh. Yeah. So really quickly, (laughs) it it all gets resolved when um, we, it's revealed that um, grandma Yetta had had the names of the daughters confused. So she had told little Gracie that life is short. So just seize the day and go for it because Gracie, you know, is always in an existential crisis and she you know was a brighton had played this mean trick on her and told her that a, you know an asteroid was going to hit the earth in a year she had actually told uh maggie like nothing of the sort in terms of like you should go for it um and so mr sheffield realizes it's you know all his anxiety has been for naught and then Maggie, while she does come come home late on her date, when she talks to um, Fran about it, she's basically like, oh, no, like, Greg and I actually decided to cool it because like at the end of the day, I don't feel ready. And I would never do anything like that without talking to you first anyway. So, uh, you know, all blah for nothing. <laughs> and, but, the, but I will say this, um, they, Mr. Sheffield and Fran do have, you know, one of their very nice grounding moments that we get every few episodes where you know, when he's agonizing over the fact that Maggie is still not home from her date and it's like after dark, she's like, you, you don't want to be her enemy. Like she's a teenage girl. Mm. You like go upstairs, pretend you're not bothered by this. Like, and they can hear her coming in the door. She's like, I'll take care of this. Um, and she kind of talks him off a ledge. Um, and it's, you know, that yin and yang of Mr. Sheffield and Fran. And that's like sort of a big emotional crux of this whole series. And we, and we get some of that. We get some of that. She is a good influence on him. She does, of course, initially scream at Maggie, like, where were you? Like, it's clear that she was really pissed. But she's trying to like, you know, help him parent because he's parenting solo. So we, we get a little of that. It's, it's not sure. just a completely fluff episode. And then, you know, they're fine. Everything's, you know, everything's all good. And as, then we as, get maybe my favorite part of the episode, which is a post credit scene where they're watching Mike Myers' coffee talk. I had so uh, many questions about that. Okay. So I figured, and I know that some of our audience skews younger. So, okay. Coffee are Talk we, was a segment wait. on Saturday Night Live. Oh my God, you're going to explain oh. Coffee Talk? Hold on. Wait, 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 yeah. Sean. Are, are we in segments now? I don't, are, we, are, we, are we finishing the episode? I think we're going to finish the episode with a, with a post credit scene explainer. Okay. 
Um, so Coffee Talk was a a uh, SNL sketch that Mike Myers uh, did. He, you know, uh, awesome powers guy. Uh, the character was named Lydia uh, Linda Richmond, and she was this stereotypical Jewish woman, very much like Sylvia is portrayed on the yeah. show, um, based on Mike Myers' uh, mother in law at the time. Um, is and 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 that's it. She's just a stereotype, and so, so many of. Like meta yeah. weird scene at the end where she the the nanny uh, Fran Sylvia and Grandma are all watching Mike Myers and not realizing how much it's just a reflection of them. So Sorry, many ahead, so many stereotypical Jewish mother grandmother lines yes. that have permeated pop culture. The pop culture lexicon came from Linda Richmond. The, I'm verklempt. You know, talk yep. amongst yourselves. All of those are things that Mike Myers brought to SNL that yep. then you know, seeped into uh, pop culture. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. obsessed with Barbara Streisand. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the thing of it is, uh, you know, I can certainly speak to Jewish stereotypes. Uh, and a lot of them are stereotypes because they do ring very true. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I definitely think that like, you know, my mom had an obsession with Barbara Streisand and it wasn't because like she was a fan of the nanny. My uncle she, has an obsession with Barbara you know, Streisand. <laughs> yeah. She was a fan of Linda, you know, uh, of Mike Myers's impression. She just loved like a lot of young Jewish women at that time period grew up loving Barbara Streisand. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she was so. you know, representation. It was yeah. Jew- back in the 60s, 70s, Barbara Streisand was the Jewish representation. She did yeah. it all. She sang, yeah, she danced, she yeah. acted. Um. Yeah. All right, Toria, um, now I think we can play the segments theme song. And now, segments. So, segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> so, Matt, that means that now we're officially in segments. Yes, um, and the welcome to the new world. It's different um, over so, here. <laughs> so the the first thing we just talk about is we just share our favorite like moments or lines. It could be an outfit, it could be a detail, whatever. Okay. Um, my one of my favorites is when uh when Fran is talking about the idea of Grandma Yetta staying with them. At first, she presents it as almost like a joke, like just to kind of get a temperature read on if Mr. Sheffield will be okay with it. And she's like, I mean, can you imagine? She's a borderline klepto. We wouldn't have a candy dish left in the house. <laughs> I also had that line written down. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, well, first thing, I'm just going to start with my notes from the beginning. Because I did say, who are these children? Neither one looks like Fran Drescher anymore. Context. And then I have my note from the second watch. I don't like the boy. But yes. <laughs> I think he's cool because he had a Game Boy. <laughs> that really stood out to me because he's playing Game Boy. I'm like, that kid's cool. Um, but as far as like moments, there's a really great awkward beat when they hug at a minute 55 where um, Yetta and I wrote down Mason Thornsmith, uh, Charles Shaughnessy, <laughs> Mr. Sheffield. Yeah. Um, they hug and I really thought that the body language from both of them was great. Yes. Yes. The, the forced hug. <laughs> yes. He's kind of pulling away while she's go. She's bringing him in close. There's a moment yes. where neither one of like, it, it felt like both of the actors didn't know exactly what was happening and it really worked. <laughs> yeah. It worked really well. It almost um, felt like, like a fourth wall break where it's like, uh, what you know, let's just, okay, we'll go for it and stay in the moment. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it felt like she was very open to hugging and he was a British man who was very put off by too much uh, personal contact. And, you know, I think that was both their characters and probably described them in real life too. Yeah. Um, I, I got the biggest laugh out loud moment. Like I literally barked with laughter when, um, Yetta says she'll talk to Maggie after this big fight with Mr. Sheffield and she's walking up the stairs. <laughs> and then Fran looks at Mr. Sheffield and she's like, see how great Yetta is with kids. She's going to be a great influence on Maggie. And then we just hear Yetta go, want a cigarette? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> the delivery was so funny. Um, there were some dark lines that I liked. Uh, I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit. Yeah. The butler um, had a great line where he said, um, we never say a cross word in our family. We just die a very, a, we die very early for, of colon disorders. <laughs> it was just like, Oh God, yeah. he, he had very little to do in this episode. So all I know is it was, it was just kind of dark. Yeah, he, he gets a lot of the glib. Um, he gets to deliver, uh, you know, most of the glib dialogue. Like that's not really, Fran doesn't really go that dark. Um, it's really Niles and Cece get a lot of those lines. He also and, had a line um, after they, after Yetta and Saul are caught in bed together. He comes up and he says, uh, you know, Mrs. Whatever, Mr. Whatever, you know, good morning. And they turn and go, you know them? And he goes, my room is directly beneath theirs. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. I, I liked when grandma Yetta walked through the living room and she slapped Fran and Mr. Sheffield with the banana and just said, don't fight in front of the kids because mm. it, it reminded me so much of my great grandma <laughs> like, walking into my house and smacking both my parents because they were yelling at each other. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Here's a weird thing. I'm realizing most of my favorite lines are from Niles. Um, yeah. There's the scene where they're having breakfast downstairs and he's holding a, a baggie and uh, Charles, Shaughnessy says, what is that? And he says, uh, uh, Yetta says this tea bag still has seven cups of tea in it. <laughs> yes. I'm like, yeah, yes. that's very, that's very, very on point. Yeah. Yeah. Niles is like a standout of this show. Like even last week we even discussed, we were like, could Niles have had his own spinoff? And then we were like, no, no, that's too much Niles. But like, he is one of the best characters, like hands yeah. down. Hear me out. Niles and Gunther from uh, Central Perk <laughs> have their own spinoff. They were, they were serving similar energy. Gunther, Gunther wins the lottery and immediately buys like a giant house and hires a butler. And they go, oh. Wait, you know what? I just realized we, Matt, there's something really delicious that you don't know about Niles. He, he has been Mr. Sheffield's butler since Mr. Sheffield was a baby. So oh, yeah. Mr. She Mr. Sheffield has never known life without this man because Niles was like, Niles' father was the butler. So he's, <laughs> a, he's basically Alfred. Yes, yes. Because yes. Niles' father was the Sheffield's family butler and Niles was like a kid growing up in the house, but like very much the help. So I think he was like 10 or 12 when Mr. Sheffield was born. So oh. like he, he remembers Mr. Sheffield's first words. Like he has been with this man um, for, for like all of Mr. Sheffield's life. Yeah, that's yes. Weird. They, and like, Isn't that right? weird? <laughs> yes, um, yes. Which is also why it sometimes makes sense that he, he can be very insolent 
and say things that a normal staff member, you'd be like, oh, I'm not really sure that that wouldn't get you fired. But it's like Mr. Sheffield truly knows no other way. (laughs) So I also there was a a couple of scenes with Cece and Niles. Mm -hmm. They she almost views him as a confidant, but he's just kind of like, no, what's (laughs) what's their dynamic? Does it evolve over time? Does it change or is it always just like, you know, she he he's sort of like the secret keeper of the house maybe and she you know projects onto him like this guy's on my team but he's really like uh, this who is this okay lady? Yeah. so in- initially like niles's greatest pleasure in life is making cc miserable like for several seasons that's like all he does he hates cc and he hates miss badcock and he'll do anything to like make her feel sad who's miss badcock <laughs> It's sorry, CC Badcock. CC Badcock. Yeah, Badcock. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Yes, but okay. And this is we're jumping ahead a lot here, but I think most people watching this show, listening to this podcast, would already know this. They fall in love later, <laughs> which I actually hate. I think that's so silly, but whatever. It's it, it'll happen when it happens, and we'll cross that bridge when it when it comes. But I think he basically realizes that like he couldn't live without her. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I hope they earned that, man. Um, <laughs> I really, I know, right? Um, yeah. Should we move on to nanny trivia, or, or? I have a couple more things that I had questions about. Yeah, oh, um, what's the body heat joke? I've never seen body heat. She does it. The line is, she goes, um, it had Kathleen Turner before her little side trip to Pepperidge Farm. Is that a Oof. fat joke? It is. It There's is a lot of fat jokes in the yeah. nanny. Okay. Um, also, what was Fran wearing? She's in like head to toe black and then just like a red leopard shiny vest. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> there are, okay, there are so many social media accounts specifically dedicated to what Fran wore on this show. Yeah, this it, fashion has really come around now to a point where it's like, iconic in gay culture first of all as we learned a couple weeks ago from our guest um and i mean there are videos dedicated to friends fashion uh i know a lot of drag queens take inspiration from friends fashion so yeah i mean on a friend scale this was a fantastic getup okay because <laughs> i i don't un- i don't know the character well enough if it's if the joke is like she's a little tacky because even in the theme song, she's like, she's the one wearing red when they're all in tan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, she's like yeah. loud in more and ways I, than just her voice, which yes, I did find. Did. I made a note that the audio started peaking at it, it turned out to be the, a joke. But I started writing. The audio started peaking at two minutes two th- or two thirty three because Renee Taylor is screaming. And then uh, Fran yells right back, like, yell it a little louder so the neighbors can hear whatever she did. But to me, I was like, oh, my that two minutes in and I've never seen this before and they're screaming at each other. It really was jarring for me. Body Heat, by the way, was like a movie. It was like an erotic thriller, which is why it's such a big deal that she's watching Body Heat. There was like a ton of like very graphic sex between William Hurt and Kathleen Kathleen Turner. Okay, so I'm renting it from Redbox. Uh, I mean, listen, it's a great, uh, written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan. I mean, it's a great movie. Like, uh, I've heard the title. I just have never seen it. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a good movie. <laughs> we um, had that in my house growing up, but it was like I wasn't allowed to to watch. But it had been it had been recorded from the video store, so it it had its own handwritten label on. Yeah, <laughs> back back when you used to be able to do that, right? Yeah. Um, I also want to go on record and say that I did not like the cheap booby joke that happened at uh, thirteen minutes and seventeen seconds. <laughs> yes. Um, 
he goes, oh, I really like your boobie or something like that. I don't like this. Yeah, he was like underestimated your boobie. And yeah, she goes, that's, that's Bubby. Thank you. I was like, Bleh. yeah, I'm too classy for this joke. Yeah, and it, then, was, it was a weak one. We can we can uh, move on after this. I just want to my, my favorite quote from the episode probably is the little boy who I don't like, but I was like, okay, props to the little boy. He goes, you know, yet it turns out to be pretty cool. Look, she gave me a hundred bucks for my bar mitzvah. Laugh break. And he goes, of course, she also thinks my name is Shmooey. <laughs> and then it keeps coming back. You know, Fran brings it up twice. Uh, she goes, you know, you got the young one and Shmooey. And I was like, ah, Shmooey. Um, I thought that was cool. So that's, yeah. And I, so I want to go on record and say, while I do not like that little boy, I like that line. I- and that Brighton, is actually that's how we feel. Brighton's Brighton's a tough character. They they make him they give him the weirdest lines. They do like all of these like cheesy, sexually charged jokes a lot of the time with him. Like they just I feel like this they just have no idea how to write a little boy. Mm-hmm. And he was mean to his sister at the beginning. It started mm-hmm. off with him being mean. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that well, I, I was. I think that your your like your read on Brayden is very accurate. He's very entertaining, and he's a kid who can really deliver lines. So I think we always say like it's almost like they forget how old that character is supposed to be, and they yeah. just give him funny lines that they want to put in the show somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's he, he's not he's not the heart of the show. <laughs> oh, I'll say that. Um, all right, nanny trivia. Yeah. What okay. Do you got? Okay, so for some context for Matt, in last week's episode, uh, one of the subplots was that Mr. Sheffield had made Esquire's list of the year's most eligible bachelors, as he often does in, like, the lore of the show. And Sean and I were like, hmm, you know, in in my mind, a list like that, like, you know, they even mentioned that, like, JFK Jr. is on the list. We're like, is a Broadway producer really actually famous enough or influential enough to make that list um and we were both suspicious this is where it gets really weird yeah Uh, okay so sean i i thought that esquire actually had this list like in my brain i remembered there being a list of like the year's most eligible bachelors i was like well if it's not esquire it must have been people and if it's not people it must have been vanity fair like this thing has to exist it doesn't exist. It's like this collect it's a collective delusion like the Mandela effect. Like there's been like like people's sexiest man alive, who by the way, this year was Keanu Reeves, nineteen ninety four. I looked that up. Oh, um the year of the episode. Okay. The year of the episode, ninety four. I thought you meant this year. I was yeah, like, fresh off, fresh off of what? Dracula? What was he? What what uh, he? No speed. Point I break? think that would have been speed. It's the end of the line for you, Bodhi. That's my favorite. Line from Frank Ray. <laughs> I don't know. But- <laughs> I say, I say, my friend had a cat named Bodhi. So I, whenever I would walk into the house, I go, it's the end of the line for you, Bodhi. <laughs> um, yeah. God, a solid Keanu impression won't get me. Yeah, really? Oh, 19, 1994 uh, was speed. So this would have been, this would have been for like fresh off of speed. Yeah, but, but well, regardless, we we took a big left turn here into that. But but this list doesn't exist. I mean, the closest things I could find, That's like cool. Forbes has a twelve most yeah. eligible billionaire. Uh, there's a Vogue, the world's most eligible bat royal bachelors. Like Ebony had a list in 1960. But but so I I fully like would have bet serious money. Like yeah yeah that that list is a thing that comes out every year. Wow. It's not. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm disappointed, shocked, and disappointed. Uh, we, I mean, we are literally shook. 
it kind of makes sense, right? Like influential bachelors, like why would there be a list of that? It's just weird. They're not like, it's not like you can date them. Yeah, but because pe- people would eat it up, they'd buy those they'd buy those magazines off the shelf. Oh, sure, would, let's start a magazine. Is that what um <laughs> not win a date with Ted Hamilton? What's the one where uh Robin from the '90s movies is like being chased down the street by all of the brides? I never saw it. I just like I remember there was a trailer for it before something on one of the VHS tapes that I owned. Who is the actor? Chris O'Donnell. Oh, Chris, oh, O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. Is that what that oh. movie's about? Oh, oh I, I know what movie you're talking about too now. I, <laughs> I don't know what movie. I'm like remembering the 90s. <laughs> no, I've, I followed. I, I, I mean, followed. Chris O'Donnell. I, I. What else was he in? He was in some other stuff. He was in Scent of, a, Scent, Scent of a Scent of a Woman. Woman. No, but he wasn't the boy in Scent of a Woman. Correct. Like he, he was. He was a boy. He was a he boy. Was a boy. I, don't I mean, they had Philip Seymour Hoffman in Scent of a Woman. They had uh, somebody else too. It was, it was with a. The uh, Bachelor. The Bachelor is the movie. It's him the and Renee Zellweger. It was one of those things where um, when I was a kid, I don't know if I was alone in doing this. If I liked a movie, I would watch everything that the main actors had been in. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I love Tom Hanks. So I'm going to watch like Joe versus the Volcano or something. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. well, I liked Tom Hanks, so I should watch every Meg Ryan movie. So I started renting, like, <laughs> from Blockbuster, I would rent, like, uh, I remember there was a movie called Hanging Up, where it was her and Diane Keaton oh, and one yes! other person. And it's the, hey, Lisa Kudrow. Lisa Kudrow. And it's the it's the first time I ever heard the word fuck, ever. <laughs> I remember being like, oh, man, what an anticlimactic way to learn a curse word. It so was- that's funny. So I did a similar thing, but I would do it with, like, writers and directors that I liked. And I, you know, Jurassic Park came out. I got huge into Michael Crichton. And then I wanted to read and see every Michael Crichton movie that was ever made. And I ended up watching this movie uh, with Wesley Snipes and um, Sean Connery. Mm, the White Man Rising, Jump. Oh. Rising Sun. Uh, it was based on a book written by, by, by Michael Crichton. And, and it is the first time that I ever saw oral sex from a, on a, a man to a woman. And I was so confused by what was happening. Like, I didn't understand. And the oral sex plays like a pivotal plot point in the movie because this guy is going down on this girl when he's shot and he has a, what? and then the girl's body is missing and he has a pubic hair in between his Ew. teeth. I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So, and I like, I remember being about maybe 12, 11, 12 years old and going to my mom and being like, I have a lot of questions. Yes. <laughs> That happened to me a couple of times. Uh, Starman. Do you remember Starman? Yeah. It's the first time I ever learned how to give somebody the finger. And I had to go to my parents. I'm like, the heck is this? And they're like, ah, no, don't do that to people. Oh, oh man. God. Little moments like that. us in weird ways, I guess. Yeah. More than you'd Cinema, think. movies. Um, there bad. was no, Peace uh, Arc, no Yiddish this week, Tori. No, there actually was two Yiddish. There was what two Yiddish, Yiddish was movie. Uh, too so (laughs) obviously there's yiddish in the title bubby is yiddish for grandmother then um when in one of the opening scenes when um grandma yetta comes into the mansion and sees the little girl she goes pizzolas um and and that is just it means little ones teeny ones and it's like um an affectionate um, little thing that you can say. Sometimes oh, the these words, I just hear them, and I've heard them so many times in my life that I don't even register that oh, as yeah. like Yiddish words. I'm like, just like, oh um, yeah, 
Actually, schmutz was also in this episode. We often overlook schmutz because it, it hardly registers to us as, mm-hmm. as Yiddish anymore. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, so Matt, normally Sean and I say who's the Fran or the CC between the two of us. But I think it's more interesting, to, just in general, do you feel like you're the Fran or the CC based on what you saw? This is hard because you didn't see much CC. Or, right. hey, if you really resonated with someone else, that can also be that can also be part of this. I was probably the little boy playing Game Boy. <laughs> I, I was trying to think where I was in the 90s, and that that spoke to the you know my inner child. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I need to see more CC. I can't make a decision that you know that drastic. It seems like an important thing, and I don't want to label myself. It's like. For the longest time, I walked around thinking I was a Charlotte, and then I realized I was a Miranda the whole time, you know? So I, and I pitch it to people, I'm like, no, 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 you guys have it wrong, I'm a Charlotte. So uh, I definitely don't want to, you know, put that scarlet letter, put a, a scarlet C on my chest for CC. You know, you know what, you're, th- you're saying that all in our, in jest, but I really am the Miranda and it really is awful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Miranda really too. Awful. I feel like I'm a my- Charlotte for sure. So <laughs> no, you're not. You're a Samantha and you know it. Nah, fair. Fair. <laughs> it's fine. Charlotte pooped her pants in the movie. So you can take, you can have that. <laughs> <laughs> my friend made me watch it. Oh my God. <laughs> she does poop her pants. Gosh. Um, well, we, we should save all of this when we start to do our, our, our recap show for the, uh, Sex in the City. Reboot. It's an easy jump. They're both both on HBO Max. Yeah, totally and they're bringing Sex in the City back without Samantha. So who's going to watch it? Not me. <laughs> to see what Carrie. <laughs> the, the first episode I heard they they reveal she died of dysentery. Oh, no. she she tried to she tried to do the Oregon Trail. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of synergy between the HBO shows and this this podcast. Um. um well, well, this has been yeah. so fun, Matt. I'm I'm very, very I feel like you just fit in just like family. You just you fold it in and it was very comfortable. Oh great. Because I, I get a lot I get a little bit of anxiety before we get a new a new energy infused into our into the dynamic and this this felt great. No, it felt great. Um uh-huh. uh, Matt, do you have stuff you want to plug? Uh yeah, I'm at Matt Bennett on all social media. It's great to go and check me out there. I do a lot of fun things. Uh, I've been streaming on Twitch. I put up music videos and things like that. Uh, I play with Sean on Fortnite. So if you like Sean and you like me, please come and check it out. Yeah, Uh, I do a good job of updating my socials. So yeah, Sean showed me a video that uh, I'm blanking on. I don't remember. Yes, I want to bring this up. So what's the name? I was laughing so fucking hard. Recently, Matt Bennett came into uh, contact with this wonderful musician named Magic Simon and (laughs) lost gem. Yeah, a lost gem of the '80s, and uh, he was able to release Magic Simon's uh, music video, Music Music Express. Uh, on his YouTube channel, on Matt Bennett's YouTube channel. Right. Which... I like I like to elevate artists that you might not have heard of before. So <laughs> yeah. there's an artist named Magic Simon. Uh, he has a new music video, or, you know, it's an older music video, new to you, that you can go yeah. watch on my YouTube right now. Yeah. Um, and it's great. It's like a lost gem, lost it's... lost hit of the 80s. It's never really was... great. Great. Repeat the line to me again. Something, something, and sex. We can oh, do rock. We, we can dance. We can do drugs and sex. <laughs> you and me, babe, holding on for dear life on the Music Express. Yeah. So good. Oh, my God. Please go watch so that, good. everybody. Um, and then you can find our show on social media. Where, Toria? Uh, oh, Mr. 
Chefpod with two Fs at yeah, Oh Mr. Chefpod. Yeah, that's on Twitter uh-huh. and on Instagram. And then also you can search uh, just Mr. Sheffield, Oh Mr. Sheffield podcast on Facebook. And we got a little Facebook thing there. Uh, and I'm at Sean Wrights on Twitter. And Toria, you are. I'm at Toria Sheffy two Fs. Matt, my last name is actually Sheffield. I, and my... I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. I noticed, and though. you know, my father. It's weird that there's Charles Shaughnessy. He was Charles Sheffield, an English widower who moved to the States and married a Jewish woman. So, you know, it's, it's in, in the stars. It's weird. Yeah. But um, does, anyway, it, does this, this show give you a new perspective on your parents' marriage? Uh, yeah, that it was really terrible. And <laughs> I wish it was. And I. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this was one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Thank you, Matt Bennett. Hey, thank you for having me. What a blast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back next week with more. Oh, Mr. Sheffield Podcasts. Bye. Bye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine.